Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Eating Crow podcast. I have my hero. Kevin Gillibrand on the program today. No. He's my fitness spirit animal. I think a lot of people watch your content, first of all. It's, I'll just use the words thought-provoking. I try. That's, that's all I can say. I, I like to stir the pot a little bit. Well, you, the pot yeah. is stirred, and it needs to be stirred every day. has to be stirred every day. It's the only way. You've got to get people talking. You've got to, I don't intentionally try and piss people off, but I know when I have a strong opinion about something that it's going to... You know, I call them the, you've got to be very careful. You know, you can't even call someone a snowflake these days because right. then you're seen as not inclusive. But let's be fucking honest. There's so many snowflakes out there, isn't there? Like, yes. you can't say this, you can't say that. And a fear of offending someone, like, you can't even be, I don't know, it's dodgy. It's, the world's a weird place at the moment, isn't it? The but this is a, this is a safe place. space. The Eating Crow podcast is a safe space, Gab. We can talk about whatever we want. Exactly. Good, and good. <laughs> this is this is far different than one of my normal episodes because this is a this is personally very interesting to me. I I, uh, I have a patent in how to measure fitness. I ran a fitness company for ten years. I did this every day, and I did it for companies. Which you're right has to be very politically correct. When you walk into yes. an organization, they've got to be cautious about how they release the program. You've taken it in a whole new direction. And for those of you, I'm going to put uh, how to reach Gav in the in the show notes. But this will give you an idea. This is Gav's tagline on LinkedIn. I help busy professional men with kids lose 20 to 30 pounds or more in 12 weeks without eliminating carbs or alcohol, yay, so they can perform optimally in the boardroom and the bedroom. That's actually a new-ish tagline. I've changed that literally this week because I'm not against my better judgment. I've decided to slightly pivot and only train or only coach men from now on. And that is purely, if I'm honest, Mm -hmm. financial. I've worked with many coaches over the last four or five years that kind of moved me into this coaching space. I was a PT for a long time, mm-hmm. but they said you pick a niche yes. or, a ni- or a niche, as you guys say. Mm-hmm. You say niche, men or women, and really drill down. But I really like the balance. I always like, you know, on the group calls, I like having men, I like having women. It's a nice, I like the energy. I realize, you know, the riches are in the niches, they say. So, Working with a new coach, and she, funnily enough, she said, "Look, you've got to pick a side." Yeah. She said, where, "Where do you get the best results?" And I, said, if I'm really honest, you know, most of the guys I'm working with are maybe two forty, two fifty pounds. So that first twenty to thirty pounds is going to come off much quicker than the average woman. That's not being sexist; it's just a reality. So, from purely from a business perspective, and look, I'm working with guys uh, mid forties, early fifties, two or three kids successful and neglected their health. So look, I'm kind of in that category. So why would I try and understand, not to say that I don't understand, but me trying to understand a menopausal woman in her 50s is very different to, but I know exactly what a guy in his late 40s is thinking, is feeling, who he wants to be, who he used to be. So it's my audience, really. So that tagline is a new one, and I'm hoping it, it comes across. But I've got, funny enough, I've actually got 70% women in the program right now. So that's kind of ironic. But I'll slowly phase them, them out. And that's not to say I won't work with women. Right. But I'm just going to really drill down and with those specific guys. You know? 
you won't have, you'll, you'll still have your fair share of women reaching out to you without a doubt. Exactly. Yeah. My wife would tell you the same thing. She, she it's frustrating for her and her, her cronies that like you said, we can shed weight just faster, right? Metabolic systems different. Our ability to burn energy is different. Sometimes our ability to change the way we eat is different. It's yeah, just absolutely. different. And it is frustrating. Men and women are built different, even though we want to consider us equal. We're just not physically the same. So you have, to have, that, you have to have that harsh discussion sometimes. So Gav, I want to drill into a couple of different areas. First of all, I want to talk about the approach you've taken with this on LinkedIn. No one else has taken the same approach. You're very challenging. You call it like it is. It's necessary. We talked a little bit before we hit record that we still have to be somewhat careful about what we say, but that's frustrating because we shouldn't be careful. We should just say it. The only thing that I'm careful with is is COVID. I got kicked off the platform for which are quite nerve wracking three or four days, and subsequently have realised since that Mr. Gates owns LinkedIn, doesn't he? Correct. So you can't slag off the vaccine or the COVID as a whole. You've got to be very very careful. Apart from everything else. I'll push it. Again, I'm not trying to offend anyone. So I've held back with my views a lot on that. And it's really divided the world, hasn't it? It's like, and I'm neither pro-vaccine or anti-vax. If you've had it, great. If you haven't had it, great. I really yeah. don't care. Like, I personally haven't had it. And that's not to say that it. I don't, don't think everyone should. I think certain sections of society absolutely should have had the vaccine. Like right. my mum, she's 80. She's yeah. quite overweight. She's not well. Should she have the vaccine? If you weigh it up, she probably should. Should someone else in their 30s that is super fit, that's not to say that they will might not die, that the odd occasion, but really, uh, probably they don't. But again, if, don't if you get look at the that. data, what you just said holds water. It just does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's the only thing that I'm really hold back on. And funny enough, every time I mention COVID in a post, I don't do it anymore. I would just look at follow, I would lose about a hundred followers overnight. Oh yeah. Even putting it in a poll, like I would drop 100 followers. Like some people were just triggered by it. But that stuff is now gone past. It's very political. It's almost like the new religion or the new race. It's, it is. it's up there with race, religion, and, and politics, isn't it? It's the new one. So I just stay on the sidelines with that. But everything else, I'll challenge people. And the fitness and nutrition industry is full of bullshit, as you know. Oh, yeah. There's so many myths that have been bandied around from the 90s. How old are you, Peter? I'm 53. All right, okay. Buddy, hell, you don't look 53, mate. So you you exactly, you grew up in the 90s. Was That was the 90s was probably the best decade of our lives, really, mm-hmm. let's be honest, oh, in, yeah. in our 20s. It was amazing. Yes. Um, there was no social media, so you could do whatever you wanted to do, and no, no one was, was going to tell the story. It. <laughs> yeah. it was amazing, yeah. So the point is, the only fitness and nutrition this is before, you know, the internet. So the only advice we got was from pro bodybuilders. I remember pro sport back in the 90s. There wasn't all the performance. There wasn't the physios, the osteos. It wasn't anything like it was now. So the only advice we got from eating and staying in shape was from pro bodybuilders, which oh, yeah. is probably the worst source of information ever. Because one, these guys are genetic freaks. And two... They're taking a shitload of drugs to look the way they do. So they've got no business giving diet and nutrition advice to the average person. So a lot of the stuff that we believe, and I hold my hand up, you know, only until the last 10 years, we got that advice from those bodybuilders. You know, things like fasted cardio or eating five to seven times a day or fat, you know, all the simple myths that unfortunately still many people believe. Sure. So my whole philosophy, 
is to tell it like it is, but also do it in a way that not to make people feel small, never the aim, but if so, I'll call a spade a spade. If something yeah. is wrong, I'll call it out and I'll do it. I like to do it, as you know, in a slightly confrontational way, but also self-deprecating. If I can take the piss sure. out of myself, I've found that when you can laugh at yourself, it lowers people's barriers and people think, hang on, okay, so he's not a PT just shouting instructions at me. He's a sure. normal person that fucks up just as much as I do. Yeah. And I document all the fuck-ups yeah. because if you knew what I did at the weekends, you'd be like, how is that guy a PT? Because that's life. And right. I'm not going to tell people you need to be perfect. So my take on fitness is it's very overcomplicated. And that's partly due to the bullshit myths that were sort of came out of the 90s and early 2000s. Now, most of the younger guys kind of know about calories in, calories out. But sure. there's still many nutritionists that say it's hormones or it's this or it's that. Look, here's the reality. Yeah. Anyone hears this? If you want to lose weight, if you eat slightly fewer calories and you burn, you will lose weight. And it's only 100% guaranteed. So the odds are in your favor. Now that, to a lot of people that are overweight, one is offensive. Two, it's all, it seems like fat shaming. And it's three, like you don't understand what it's like. No, I don't to a certain extent. But the reality is, if you burn more than you take in, you'll lose weight because it's physics. And I didn't make the rules up. The big yeah. man did, or the universe, yeah. or whoever you believe in, those are the rules, and we have to stick by them. And that pisses people off, because what it does, it takes away... The excuses. The excuses, because then only the person that's... Look, I've got... most All my clients are obese, and I say this with the most respect. If you eat less food than you burn, you're going to lose weight. Now, is fat loss as simple as that? Yes and no. Mechanically, that's what it comes down to. But psychologically... That's why most people have problems because this food, as you know, is so emotive. You, you eat when you're happy, eat when you're sad, eat when you're pissed off. I've been promoted. Let's go and eat and let's drink. You know, it's one of the most amazing pleasures we've got in life. It's the only drug. If you think about this, it's the only drug that we actually need. If you think about that, like smoking, alcohol, drugs on any other level, we, we like them but we don't need them to to We can avoid them. Yeah, it's almost like telling a drug addict, I need to give you a little bit of this drug, enough to keep you alive and give you energy, but not too much that it makes you fat. And that's the problem. It's like saying a cocaine addict, like just one gram a day, Pete, only one gram. (laughs) If you have three grams a day now is a problem. It doesn't work. No. But that's what uh, I've got a lot of weight to lose. You want to have enough food, but also hit your taste buds and you feel good and gives you energy, but not too much so you get fat. It's very, very tricky for a lot of people. And I like calling people out, telling people what the bullshit is and give them the facts, but also empowering people. Like you don't need to overcomplicate this. Right. You know, so. Well, my mom has been obese or battled her weight all of her life. Uh, I have a sister that has battled serious eating disorders and that taught me a lot, right? It taught me a lot about how to relate to people because I think you're right, but people don't understand the science and the facts about weight loss are 100% guaranteed. Now, why people overeat is a complicated discussion. And that it gets to emotion, it gets to their upbringing, it gets to how they've been taught all their lives. Oh, and so I, much. Exactly. And that's the bit that people don't understand. And they, they say that I'm being disrespectful. People have had terrible lives. It's like, I wouldn't even want to go there and try and understand the upbringing, the abuse on all levels, from parents, from family, from friends. It's, it's really shit. Some people have had terrible luck in life. 
And those issues have caused them to overeat, which has made them obese, is the word trite when you say just eat less food. Because ultimately it is, if they just ate less food, they would lose weight. But unpacking that, telling someone that's had 30 years of using food as a drug, just eat less food, you just can't. So I call it the mechanics of losing body fat are simple. You burn more than you take in. The psychology of fat loss, that's where I come in. And that's why I help people also, one, give them a a plan that they can stick to, but two, unpack that emotional baggage they have around food. And when we can fix that, that's when you can get long-lasting results. Oh, that's exactly right. So let's talk about that for a minute. When you when you meet with a client for the first time and, and you've gone through the mechanics, right? They understand the science, which personally, I start off with, hey, there's hope, right? Because there's nothing physical stopping you from doing this, right? And when people talk about hormones, they talk about a lot of other things. Here's how I respond to that. Genetics, right? I say, look, let me explain to you hormones and genetics. Hormones may make it a little bit more difficult to get a six-pack stomach. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody deals with them differently. That's it. It's it's in the it's yeah. in the fringe areas. Genetics. Well, that's the difference between um, me running a hundred meters and Usain Bolt running a hundred meters. That's yeah. genetics, right? That's genetics. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with our weight loss. He's just a lot better of an athlete because he was born genetically that way. But thermodynamics that that holds the same for both of us. Absolutely right. All hormones do will slow yeah. it down. I've just had two ladies, funnily enough, that have got underactive thyroid gland. They've got. One's got Hashimoto's, they're on medication, and she lost 20 pounds, but it took her nine months to lose 20 pounds. So can she do it? Yes. Is the process much slower? Much slower. Sure. But the problem is what happens, and again, generalizing here, not everyone, so don't bite my head off anyone that's watching or seeing this. Someone's got a thyroid issue. They, they try and lose weight. They go on some type of a diet that m- might not even work in the first place. They lose a couple of pounds, but it doesn't come at the rate of everyone else. Right. So what they do, and I'm only saying this from experience, they then tend to blame their medical condition. See, sure. it's my thyroid. That's why I can't lose weight. No. If you stopped eating as much food, you would lose weight. Would it be slower? 100%. So even with the most, even with the most severe medical condition in terms of metabolism, with thyroid or you know, some type of condition, if you're in a calorie deficit, now that deficit, that, you know, for some people it might be 1,500 calories. For someone that's got such an extremely slow metabolism in terms of thyroid, it could be 1,200, it could be 1,100. Does someone want to stay there? No. Is it fun? Probably not. But you've got to find that point where you start to lose weight. And everyone has got one because unless you're different to the other 7.5 billion people on the planet, and you're not, we've all got exactly the same makeup, give or take. So if you get a woman with an underactive thyroid gland, unfortunately, being a woman, it's going to be harder full stop. In terms of less muscle mass, more body fat as a general rule, less inclination to lift heavy weights. Again, not always, but generally. So you're up against it, plus time of the month, hormones. Then chuck in a medical condition like an thyroid gland, it's a recipe for disaster. But then people use that as a crutch. They say, the reason I can't lose weight is because of this, this, and this. No, all that stuff is putting barriers, but... If you look past that, and as you said, they're on the fringe. Mm-hmm. Nothing stopping anyone losing weight apart from their own discipline, maybe a little bit of motivation, but it's more discipline, and their belief that they can do it. It's simple choices. And I, I'll tell you a quick story that you'll relate to completely. I was actually giving a lecture to a university, and I was dealing with their wellness committee. So this is the one. These are the people in charge of the welfare of the students and the faculty. 
And the woman in charge of student health weighed 385 pounds. And she sat there with a 40-ounce sweet tea in front of her at 9 o'clock in the morning. And she wasn't buying anything I was saying. Doesn't work. Doesn't matter. By the way, we were doing this in their fitness center. They had a $32 million fitness center with 300 pieces of cardio equipment, a pool, and all the weights you can imagine. And she had access to it 24-7 for free. So she started giving me the business. And I said, uh, I said, look, we can have this conversation privately. Yeah. We can do it right here. How would you like to proceed? She said, well, bring it on. I'm like, all right, let's bring it on. And I said, uh, well, how many hours a day do you work? She goes, well, I get here at 8 every morning and I leave at 4 o'clock every night. I said, well, what do you do at 4 o'clock? She goes, I go home. I said, if I worked those hours, I'd win the Ironman because I could train twice a day. Right? Exactly, I, I literally yeah. would win the Ironman. You have two hours in the morning. You could get up at six, work out before you come to school. Just come here, right? No traffic. Work out, jump in the shower. Or at four o'clock, walk downstairs, get on the elliptical or hit some weights, do whatever. You have all the time in the access. There are people in this world that don't have either one of these things. Yeah. Right. Second of all, I said, is that a 40 ounce sweet tea in front of you at nine o'clock in the morning from Bojangles? Pure sugar. It's pure sugar. She said, yes. I said, guess what? I went to Bojangles for breakfast this morning too. You know what I got? I got a bottle of water and a grilled chicken sandwich. Same restaurant, same restaurant. I just made simple choices. And I said, let me change the way you're thinking of this. I said, you got up and chose to come to work today. You did that all on your own. You chose what to wear when you came to work today. Those are all choices you made. Choosing what you put in your body and what you do with your time are no different. You just got to get your arm around it. You just got to get your head around those things. You must deal with it all the time, right? As you're trying to make these adjustments for clients. How do you approach that? It's a good point. And it all comes down to, and again, it's generalizing, but from a lot of people, when someone's extremely overweight, most of them have very poor confidence. Uh, They're lacking in self-esteem, poor self-image, and lots of self-limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it all ties back into what we just mentioned. When someone doesn't believe that what they're going to do in the first place is going to work, why even try? Because they've, all, they've also tried everything before and they've failed, which means they've tried a couple of things before and quit before it even would have begun to work anyway. So then that, that failure has given them proof that they can't lose weight. So then they right. start blaming their thyroid, their genetics. Oh, it's, it's okay for you. You've got it. No. So when it gets to a certain say, when someone's 300 pounds, and I don't care if anyone, this offends anyone, it's a mental health issue. It's nothing to do with physical health. It is physical health as in their physically in their body. But when someone's 300 pounds and can't lose weight, they're addicted to food. Mm-hmm. That, that is a reality. They're addicted to food, and it's a mental health issue. They've got mental health problems around nutrition and food. Now, that alone itself will offend loads of people, but I don't care because it's the truth. And it's not me being offensive to anyone. It's just telling them exactly what is going on in their life. When someone's 300 pounds, and here's the reality, the sad reality. If someone's got to 300 pounds, it's highly unlikely, if they've been there 10 years or more, it's highly unlikely they're ever going to get to where they need to be. Correct. And that's a real sad fact. Like I've worked with a lot of clients that have lost 30, 40, 50 pounds. And five or six years later, they're back up to 300 pounds. Yeah. Because it's physically want to lose 100 pounds is very, very hard. But mentally, it's times 100. Because, and I'll tell you why, when someone's 300 pounds, again, they've tried everything Nothing works. It's my genetics. It's my metabolism. They hang around with people that tend to not go to the gym or tend to overeat. 
or tend to drink too much. Maybe their parents were exactly the same. They've got their closest friends and family telling them all the time. Sure. Why are you trying? You're never going to lose weight. So you've got this vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Their whole world keeps them stuck where they are. Like if you read David Goggins' oh, yeah. book, of course yeah. you have. Of course yeah, you have. You would have. Yeah, can't help me. He is one in a, in a million. One in a yep. billion. When someone's 300 pounds to go from 300 pounds to being probably one of the fittest men on the planet, that's not the norm. No. You know, and he lost over 100 pounds in three months. Like, do people realize what he has to do? It's a different mindset. Now, I'm not, he's the extreme. Yes. And there's someone that's stuck the other end. We need to get someone into the middle. But it all comes going down to that self-image. What First thing I do on the coaching, I, teach, I tell people that, do you believe that you can get there? And some of them say, yeah, I do. Most of them say, no, I don't even believe it. Okay, so there's where we start. Because you can go on a diet, you can start tracking your calories. If you don't actually believe that you're, you deserve to lose weight. And that sounds crazy when you're not overweight, but some of these people think, well, this is my lot. This is, I'm meant to be fat. I don't deserve to be fat. They've had such abuse in their life, usually from themselves, beating themselves up all day long. Look, I'm meant to be fat. I, you know, I don't, don't deserve to be this. And almost they're scared of success. And we see it in other areas of life as well. See it where people make money, don't they? Let's say someone makes 50000 a year and they get a, a, just a big hike in salary. They go to 100K. If a person is used to being a 50K person, what, generally what, what happens is that someone gets 100K to buy a bigger house, to buy a bigger car, end up getting in more debt, even when they had an extra 50 grand Right. How is that? Because they're still a 50 grand person. They haven't resonated. They haven't changed their life. They haven't changed their mindset. And that's the same when someone's 300 pounds. They've never been 200 since they were a teenager and they're in their 40s now. So, like, they don't ever believe it. They can't see that picture. So, what they do is they do a little bit of work. They lose 30 pounds. They take their foot off the gas because their mindset is still stuck in being 300 pounds because they've been there for two decades. Yeah. It's really, really hard. But to go back to what we said, it's a mental health issue. So we start on the mental side. The mechanics are – I can teach the mechanics in 30 seconds. In 10 seconds, you're going to move your body two or three times a week, and you're going to burn more calories than you take in. That's fat loss. So what is that? Six seconds. Right. So everyone on the, on the call says, okay, I know that. Now teach me self-image, self-esteem, the psychology of fat loss. So that's where people come unstuck. That's, that's the sticking point. Yeah, and I think you're you're right. When when people have, I, I call it a slippery slope, right? When you get to a certain weight, then you start to fall over the edge. It's harder to come back because moving your body is so difficult that you you can't you just can't get past the fact that it's going to be painful, it's going to be exhausting, it's going to be a complete change. You you hit that that number, whether it's two fifty or three hundred pounds, depending on your frame. Yeah. It's so hard to come back from, and then unlearning all of the nutritional habits that you've had, and for many people. This goes all the way back to their childhood, right? They had parents who were overweight. That's how they ate. I've been in different regions of the US. You probably see this in Europe where there are regions in, in our, our country where they don't think twice of filling their grocery cart with 45 gallons of soda, donuts, white bread. There's nothing but pure starch carbohydrates in there. Yeah. And as you and I know, that's still energy, right? Energy in, energy yeah. out. Yeah. But there's no nutritional value to that, which would help them feel better and allow them to exercise and be motivated. There's just zero value there. Zero. So when you think about the psychological aspect, how do you help someone who doesn't know where to begin? What's the first thing you do to drill in to say, hey, it's okay to 
to change this behavior or help them even discover where it's rooted? Do you go that deep? I don't go back where it's rooted because that's a that's a whole nother yeah. whole other ball game. And I'm I'll be honest, I'm not I could I could help them, but I, I'm also very wary that I could end up saying the wrong thing. Right. I'm not qualified to give that. I don't really want to go unpacking someone's maybe sexual abuse when they were a kid is right. not for me. Like right. we can't do that in 12 weeks. That's for a therapist or someone that is trained, highly skilled in that area. But you're right. You absolutely hit the nail head. I look to a certain extent, I'm actually a fat boy waiting to get out. Like mm-hmm. I was taught to finish everything on our plate. And I literally my eating habits, I don't mind saying this. If I wasn't working out every day, I'd be really, really fat. Like my genetics are not designed. I haven't got this super fast metabolism. I can store fat quite easily. Carbs bloat me quite quickly. I mean, I love them, but I've got it under control now, completely under control. But those tendencies are still there. I literally do not have to be hungry to eat. If you just give me, I've eaten, I've had my lunch, but if you give me another lunch right now, I just eat it because I like eating. I sometimes finish my meal and I get up and I go, oh my God, I didn't even, I just wolf it down like a dog. You know, when you give some food to a dog, I've still got that in me because also I went to boarding school as well, Mm. where the older kids took all the food. So you had to get the scraps. So give me food. I'm like, my wife goes, what have you done with your food? She hasn't even started. And I'm just literally inhaled it. So I've still got that. And I'm teaching this shit for 20 years. So if someone's had this ingrained and they don't believe the problem is with exercise as well. It's so uncomfortable in the beginning. Yeah. If someone has oh. never, if you, if you haven't yeah. moved for two decades, like I don't think what we can really appreciate that just going for a walk around the block can be so uncomfortable for some people. Like, and the thought of squeezing themselves into a piece of kit in the gym where they think everyone's looking at them, like they've got to go and buy kit that doesn't fit. They've got to, Basically, it's torture. It's literally torture for them. So it's far easier to sit on the couch with beer and a pizza and just wish they could make some changes. And again, I'm generalizing, but that is reality. I think the Americans, uh, obesity is off the chart. I think Mexico is actually number one at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mexico, America, but the UK and Europe aren't far behind. It's a growing problem, pun intended. Like we're getting fatter and fatter more sicker and sicker when we've got the answers to nearly everything, but we're actually getting worse. Yeah. What, um, what people don't realize is, is we were, we're genetically designed to get up, go hunt or gather food most absolutely. of the day and eat very little. So in other words, we're, we're built to move a lot and yeah. eat very little. We, people don't realize how we, little we can actually. You're right. We don't actually need food to do that movement. That's the no. reality. Yeah, I agree. Gav. it's uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. If you think about when, the obesity problem and diabetes really started to take off, in, at least in the United States. It was in the 80s when you know fat was bad, carbs were good, right? Bagels and pasta were the diet of choice. And you can literally look at the line chart and it goes just like that. And then cable TV showed up, right? Which means you could watch 100 different cable channels and sit on the couch for hours and hours and not watch MTV for six hours, right? That didn't exist before. Kids didn't sit in front of because there were Saturday morning cartoons, there were maybe two hours in the afternoon. Otherwise, there was nothing interesting to kids on TV. And then you introduce video games on top of that. And sedentary became an incredibly addictive lifestyle. And people don't understand the correlation. It's not necessarily... I tell people this. 80% of your weight is governed by what you eat. 80% of your health is governed by what you do. Yeah. They don't 
correlate that, right? Spot on. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tricky subject. And thankfully, in a way that it is tricky for many people, otherwise I wouldn't have a job because if people actually knew how simple the mechanical side of it is, but here's the thing, what I tend to focus on people with people when they first come into the program is get them to learn the mechanics, start getting to start tracking. Because I like to use the analogy, it's like, like your finances, and people love this when they when they understand it, when they get this. I say, well, look, we want to look at your calories going in your mouth like your income coming into your bank account. Mm-hmm. Now, the aim for most people is to have a little bit more money left at the end of the month. So you've got your finances coming in and then you've got your mortgage, you know, your kids, your house payment, your gym payment, your health payments. Sure. And you want to have a little bit left at the end of the month. Now, it's the opposite. We want to have calories coming in and we want to burn a little bit more. So it's it's swipping that right. And when people get that analogy, they think, hang on. So it literally is just an equation. Uh If energy balance, like if you eat the same as you burn, you stay the same way. If you consume a few more calories, you gain a little bit. If you consume a few less, and they're like, you can see the light bulb go off in their head. They're like, it can't be that easy. I'm like, it is. Now, when you've got to do the still track and you've still got to do that on a daily basis and people say well i don't want to track you know it's, it's a bit anal it's a bit obsessive i said well flip it around do you track your finances Every, i've never had one person say they don't have at least a good idea for money coming in i said do you know how much you get paid every month they're like i know exactly how much i get paid okay so that's exactly the same as this i said is it anal to keep an eye on your finances they're like no i said so why is it anal to keep an eye on your, your food especially when you're 100 pounds overweight you need to be bloody anal. You need to be focused. This is a number one priority. Otherwise, this is going to kill you. So we need to track everything you eat, you put in your gob for the next 12 weeks. Now, the aim is to get them off tracking. Yeah. But we, that tracking will educate them. It will, one, they'll know what they've got coming in. Yeah. Two, I get so many people go, my God, 600 calories in a donut. Yeah. I didn't know that. Or right. I didn't know there was so much sugar in this. I said, now you can see why you're overweight. And they realize... I was probably eating 3,000 calories without even thinking about it. And now you want me to eat 2,000. And they wonder why they lose 30 pounds in 12 weeks. They're like, I've been fighting this my whole life. Yeah. Now, I would say I get results with 99% of the people. Some people, one, they just, they just can't track. They just can't get their head around it. Mm-hmm. Two, the psychological aspect is so hard to unpack for, for many. Sure. If it mixed with a lack of mechanical, as in the skill set needed to track, Mixed with, I don't believe it's going to work in the first place. I get the occasional person that loses five or six pounds in 12 weeks and then ends up blaming me. Like yeah. they all blame me. I'm like, yeah. hang on, there's actually five people in the same group as you right now yeah. that have lost 30 pounds. Is it really me? And I, I don't get cross with them. I said, but is it really me? Or is it maybe you didn't actually follow through with what I asked you to do? And maybe you didn't believe it was going to work. And they all go, actually, you know what, Gav, it wasn't you, it was me. It was me. It's a tough subject for people. And because, especially in this day and age, in the world of the snowflake and cancel culture, and, you know, as soon as you mention the word obesity, people are up on their edge. They're like, oh, is he going to say something to piss someone off? Is is he fat shaming? Like I I put up the, um, I think you saw the poll a couple of months ago before, before Christmas, is sugar as addictive as cocaine? Yep. It wasn't my statement to put forward it wasn't my charge so to speak it's been said a hundred times before isn't sure. it sure now the reality is it's not it's not it's, sugar itself isn't addictive and it, i got so much abuse from that post they're like 
you don't know what it's like to be 300. You're fat shaming. You should know better. I said, look, sugar itself is not addictive. But what is addictive is the combinations of sugar, fat, salt, the crunch, the taste, the texture, the environment. Like, we love a burger, don't we? I mean, if you're unless you're a vegetarian. Right? Not at all. Like a, a great big juicy burger with cheese, everything. It's, it tastes amazing. But it's the combination of all those five or six ingredients in that bun. Have you read the book Sugar, Salt, Fat? I haven't actually, no. Oh, it, your thesis is in an entire book. And they talk about the sugar industry, the fat industry, and the salt industry. And they say when all three are combined in the right ratios, it's absolutely irresistible. That itself, that's crack. Sugar, oh, yeah. fat, and salt is crack. But And I will say, well, if sugar itself was addicted, I put a, a post up a couple of days ago, you'd see people, the big sugar company in the UK and Europe is Tate and Lyle. Mm-hmm. You'd see people literally doing lines of sugar off the table because why would you wait to go to McDonald's and get a Coke when you've got table sugar? No one is pouring table sugar or well, injecting it into their vein because that would be the quickest way. The conclusion was... There is a threshold where the human body says, uh, that's too much with sugar. Like it's too sweet. They test it. By the way, there are labs testing this stuff on kids. Like what's the threshold where a kid goes, ah, it's too sweet. Same thing with salt. We go, ah, it's just too salty. They've discovered there's no threshold for fat. Like you could give me as much of it as my body. I'll take as much as you can give me. And then when you tweak it with sugar, I mean, like potato chips are an engineered substance. Yeah, there's a think reason. About, think about fat. You can't yeah. taste fat, can you? No, you can't. Because it's, it's, it's oils and butter. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's like you can just chuck a load of olive oil into a product and it still looks the same. Mm-hmm. But you're right, sugar and salt, it's got to be that fine. You've got to get the not too sweet, not too salty. So that, that's the issue. And um, no one's doing lines of sugar. So it's the combination. And that alone pisses people off because, again, it will come down to blame. It's like, oh, sure. People say, I was addicted to sugar. I said, you weren't addicted to sugar. You were addicted to the combination. And that's a big debate within nutrition. The problem is, is when, when people do, when they give uh, rats sugar, it lights up the same part of the brain, dopamine response, sure. same as cocaine, but it's not the same. Um, There's it's, it's a lot of studies to show it. Anyone that knows, knows it's not. It's the combination, but... Um, the reaction might be the same, but it, does, it doesn't have the same effect on the human body. It doesn't have the same effect on the body, exactly. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. So, Gav, you know, you think about your pivoting over towards, you know, kind of a male population. What do you see as kind of the biggest myth that you need to debunk for a 50-year-old male with three kids that's uh, 200 pounds? What's the first thing you got to get them to understand? Yeah, the, the losing weight is not going to, they're not going to need to spend five hours a week in the gym. And the reason I say that is let's, let's take a CEO. He's earning multiple six figures, three kids, 50 years old, hasn't been to the gym for 20 years. If I give him five days a week in the gym, it's highly likely he's going to fail in week one. Mm-hmm. Like even if he was a bit of a jock in his 20s, sure. he's not going to go five hours a week, but he can do three walks around the block for the first three weeks and he can right. control his calories. I don't care how busy you are. Because people say, are you going to give me a special diet? And I say, no, because you've got a diet. If you're my client, I said, well, Pete, you're already eating food now. Sure. You're just eating too much of it. So what we're going right. to do, we're going to keep your diet and we're going to control the numbers. And they're like, so that's all I need to do for the first couple of weeks. Yeah. but can And I work with them. I said, well, how many times can you exercise a week? Yeah. And most people say, I can do two hours a week. I said, well, guess what's going to be in your program? Two hours a week. Because I need you to get to the end of the week and think, 
that was a massive win. That was a success. So it's, it's taken away. They People think they're going to have to eat rabbit food and go to the gym every day of their life. It's not about that. It's learning simple things, doing things with consistency, but making small changes. But ultimately, it's going to come down to those calories. We all start with the calories in, calories out. Then we'll look at the psychological side of things. Yeah. And when you, when you help them understand that if you can burn 500 calories in a workout and make a subtle change of 500 calories in your nutritional plan, that thousand Ooh. calories goes a long way every day. Even three Massive. Days, right? And it's Massive. subtle. Stop drinking one soda a day. And then quit those snacks right there. We just identify what they're doing, and then they go, oh, "All I have to do is that." You know, I mean, there's other things, but those those, those are simple wins, right? Simple That's wins. It, simple wins, and that first fifteen twenty pounds come off with those simple wins. Yeah, they do. And then it's to your point. You want to get someone to the point where they don't have to, you know, mechanically track their calories, but learn how to do this, like you and I do, right? I have an understanding of what goes in my body and out of my body. I have an understanding of, and by the way, I like to exercise. I'm kind of weird. I, I enjoy that time mentally and physically for me to get away from everything else. And I enjoy the feeling yeah, afterwards. Me too. Me too. And, and, and it's hard to get past that, right? Take, I tell people, you got to give yourself about a month before you walk out of a workout and go, Oh, I'm not painfully suffering. I kind of feel good. Yeah. Right. No one regrets a workout and no one regrets a healthy meal. You regret not doing the workout and you regret, you know, wolfing down a big Mac with a Coke, but you don't regret Absolutely. the other things is you got to, you got to get them there. Well, Gab, this has been a pleasure. I'm going to do a follow-up and find out how the shift into the uh, the male-focused... Uh, by the yes, way, as, as a former male dancer, you should be able to relate very well to all these guys, right? <laughs> that's a separate we didn't, we didn't talk. We'll, that, we'll have to do that in the follow-up because there's, yeah, a, there's 20, it's 20, the best part of 20 years and that was... It's kind of got me to where we are today, but that's a big part of it. Well, by the way, I want to drill into that because there's exercise nutritional aspects to doing that. That you have well, to that, that was to be fair. That's where it all came from, really. Yeah, that's where that, that grounding has brought me into that because mm-hmm. I had to be in great shape, you know. So, yeah, people want their money's worth, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll get it. Come come back to this show; they'll get their money's worth. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Uh, we'll definitely schedule Thanks, the next Pete. one and drill down to that previous part of your life. But uh, it's been it's been awesome, buddy. Awesome, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks for checking out Eating Crow. Like and subscribe so you never miss a video.